let's start with that political deal between the Liberals and the NDP that will, for all intents and purposes, see the Liberals stay in power until 2025. The parties will work together. The agreement is broken down into seven sections, 28 items ranging from a new dental plan to a new safe long-term care act, expanding the rapid housing initiative for an additional year, developing a plan to phase out public financing of the fossil fuel sector, including from crown corporations, making significant additional investments in indigenous housings in 2022 and much, much more. Here's how the prime minister described it. The liberal party has reached an agreement with the new democratic party to deliver results for Canadians now. This supply and confidence agreement starts today and will be in place until the end of this parliament in 2025. It's not a coalition. The NDP have no cabinet positions here. It is a supply and confidence agreement, as Jagmeet Singh explained today. I'm a new Democrat. I'm not a liberal. I don't want to be a part of the liberal government. My team doesn't want to be a part of the liberal government. I was never intended never desired, frankly, never offered, and we would have never accepted. A lot of nevers. I want to be really clear on this. Interim opposition leader Candace Bergen of the Conservatives described it a little bit differently. This deal means that Canadians have woken up to, in essence, an NDP liberal majority government. And I think we have to let that sink in. This is an NDP liberal government, and they have the majority. 82% of voters did not vote for a Liberal NDP government, including millions of Liberal voters. Well, all this drama comes as the Prime Minister heads to Brussels for what promises to be an important week for the future of the fight in Ukraine. Heading there with him is Global News Chief Political Correspondent David Aiken, who joins me now. Thanks for being here. Hey, glad to be here, Ben. Great to chat. I guess we'll start with the trip because it's coming up. It feels like it, it will be a a big moment for NATO, a big moment for the G7, a big moment for the Prime Minister ostensibly. I gather he spoke to Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky today. What might Ukraine expect to see coming out of these meetings? Well, and that's going to be the interesting thing. I think Ukraine's demands uh, all through this entire invasion, we've heard President Zelensky uh, look for no-fly zones uh, enforced by NATO over his country, uh, other kinds of equipment and gear that can help him fight the Russians. NATO is obviously um, encouraging, sympathetic, but NATO's stance has been pretty much united. Uh, Well, not pretty much, absolutely united. All NATO members are perfectly in support of Ukraine, but NATO members, generally speaking, do not want to provoke a broader conflict. And we know that that, uh, President Putin has threatened nuclear weapons. He's threatened to attack um, any country that provides certain kinds of assistance to Ukraine. And NATO countries are taking those threats seriously. Um, That said, NATO countries are also threatening back, saying, you know, Ukraine is not a NATO member, um, and uh, but any NATO members that are attacked, all NATO members will vigorously defend. So that's the big strategic picture. But what I think is interesting for the meetings that are going to be happening this week in Brussels, and uh, and you're right, I'm just about, uh, I'll be flying on the plane with uh, PM Trudeau to, to report on these debates. The big issue, I think, is maintaining that consensus and that unity among NATO members, some of whom want to be a little more active. Poland, for example, uh, really bearing the brunt in terms of refugees. Poland would like to see some peacekeepers on the ground in Ukraine. Um, Estonia has passed a motion saying, yeah, we would like to see a no-fly zone over Ukraine. 
Uh, Canada is not there, and, and major NATO partners are not there in terms of actual soldiers other than Ukrainians on Ukraine soil or uh, aircraft other than Ukrainian aircraft flying over Ukraine. But that is going to be an interesting discussion to see um, how united um, NATO is as they come out of it and, um, and where Canada can continue to pitch in. So uh, we'll be, that's, I think that's what I'll be monitoring for this, this as they call it, it's an extraordinary summit of uh, NATO heads of government and a rare extraordinary summit of NATO heads of government. Certainly, U.S. President Biden will be there, amongst others. I believe Vladimir mm-hmm. yep. Zelensky will be addressing them as well. Of course, this is all happening with a backdrop of the continued shelling of civilians, the continued siege of Mariupol, the shelling and uh, of residential neighborhoods in Kiev. So there will be a lot of pressure, I think, on NATO leaders to be seen to be doing something. I, I think I'd agree with you. I mean, it is impossible to watch those pictures or hear the stories uh, of some brave journalists uh, who are reporting on what's going on. Uh, in various parts of eastern Ukraine or and, uh, in the suburbs around Kiev and, and, and not be motivated to say, please help. So uh, we have heard uh, that Biden and the United States government are talking about some new weapons defense, air, weapon, air defense systems that may be made available to the Ukrainians, uh, to the Ukrainians rather. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the soldiers on the ground in Ukraine are the soldiers on the ground now. In other words, Ukrainians or the expats who are heading over. Um, again, there, there's there's a real reluctance among all NATO partners to put their own soldiers on the ground right now in Ukraine out of fear of what Putin may do. Um, and that is, I think that's going to be a tricky negotiation between, let's say, a Canadian prime minister and the Canadian electorate. So where do Canadians stand? And remember, and you know this, Ben, is that there's no country in the world with more Ukrainians in it other than Ukraine than Canada. I mean, we got a ton of Ukrainian Canadians here. So if there's one country that is going to be sympathetic to, you know, over the top, let's go send the boys over, send the girls over, whatever it might be Canada. So I think, uh, I think PM Trudeau will have to keep an eye on, on sort of the domestic political temperature, but we can't act alone. We have to act in concert with NATO partners. That's crucial in any situation when Canada is dealing with an international security threat and even more so right now. So, um, so that's something, you know, we're all trying to sort of keep abreast of is, is how much do people want to push? You may not know this, Ben, but there's like four petitions before the house of commons right now, each one sponsored by a member of parliament from a different party. So a conservative, a liberal, a Democrat, and these petitions all call for NATO forces to enforce a no fly zone. And these petitions are garnering hundreds and perhaps thousands of signatures. Uh, and again, it's petitions before Parliament. So, um, it, so as I say, it's, it's NATO leaders are looking at this destruction, looking at the real politic, if you will, of provoking a broader conflict and trying to find that balance of doing the right thing without, again, getting involved in something where we now are seeing hundreds of thousands of die in countries all over the world. Speaking of reading the domestic political temperature, uh, it's not like the Prime Minister gave himself a quiet day before he headed off. Quite the dramatic day in Ottawa today with this deal announced between the NDP and the Liberals that will essentially keep Justin Trudeau and the Liberals in power till 2025. Yeah, and, and it's, it's controversial in the sense that a lot of people have strong opinions about it. Um, so New Democrats, I think, by and large, they like this idea. And, you know, you may have noticed that one of the key people in Jagmeet Singh's back room 
is Anne McGrath. Anne McGrath was uh, Jugmeet's uh, campaign director, and Anne was right at the center of the discussions between Gilles Duceppe and Jack Layton and yep. Stéphane Dion uh, to form some sort of coalition to knock Stephen Harper out. So New Democrats think this is a perfectly legitimate thing for them to get stuff done for their voters and their supporters. And as both Singh and Trudeau said today, um, you know, Singh, I'm not a liberal. I'm not joining a coalition. I'm not joining their party. Same thing for Trudeau. I'm not a New Democrat. Um, but they, they, do, they both feel that there are some things they can agree on, even as they agree to continue to disagree on some other things, such as defense spending, for example. So um, we've got some stability in the Canadian Parliament for the next uh, few years, and um, supporters of New Democrats are pretty happy. Most liberals, I think, are pretty happy. I've, I've, I've talked to a couple that are a little nervous about the perspective. These would be liberals, for example, who have to compete in ridings where the choice is conservative or liberal right. and not liberal or NDP. So they're a little nervous about how they might be perceived at the next election. But I think there's support there. And the conservatives are pulling their hair out. You know, they think this is completely illegitimate and, and uh, you know, the, the carbon tax coalition and so on. Fine. Uh, we'll see where their, their new leadership race takes them. And their new leader will have certainly have the time to organize uh, his or her party and, uh, and prepare for 2025. David Aiken, have a safe trip. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, great to chat with you, Ben. Thanks.